ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It's Monday, and this is Smoke Night Live, episode 242. Yes, we do not normally air Smoke Night Live on Monday, but guess what? This is a special episode. In lockdown, we just air whenever the heck yeah, we want. Hey, this is quarantine, baby. We're in our underwear. It doesn't matter what we do. We can start drinking bourbon at 9 a.m. You're, you're doing just underwear down there, huh? I just, yeah. Just like I got a, the top is I got a up. nice shirt, and then just boom, underwear after that. Uh, you guys don't need to know that, but that's exactly what's going on. You can just you're ima- <laughs> let your imagination be your guide, because down here, it's all party. But guys, this is a special episode. Jordan... I am so excited about this episode. We have tried for a long time to match schedules with we our guest, it. and we will bring him on shortly. But we finally did it, and I couldn't be. We don't have too many first-time guests anymore. No, that's true. We've sort of had, we've sort of kind of had them all, except for this one. We have not had this guest on the show, and I couldn't be more excited. I see a bunch of folks on Facebook there: Barbara, Kevin, Juan, Mike. Janine, hey Janine, we know Janine. Now that's a there's a guest right there, and uh, I, I'm assuming Jeff Todd is watching the show because it's Jeff Jeff Todd's fault, Jordan. That we we got we went down the Perdomo rabbit I, hole. I went down the Perdomo <laughs> rabbit hole, and I couldn't be happier about going down the Perdomo rabbit hole because, yeah, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be flat out honest with you guys. Like in the time I've been smoking, yeah, I've had Perdomos here and there, and. For whatever reason, like I, you know, it just wasn't like majorly on my radar until I was in Philadelphia and Jeff Todd was you know, bugging me about Perdomo. And he gave me this cigar right here, the one that I'm smoking right now, this uh, vintage 12 year aged cigar. And when I had it, I said, Where have you been my whole life, this cigar? And it's changed my life and it changed my perspective. On Perdomo altogether, Jordan. And since then, I've been smoking these like a madman. You can attest to that. Oh, every week you come over, bring a few more boxes. I I can't (laughs) stop. Fully stocked. I can't stop. It drives me crazy. I love it. I mean, it's one of those good problems to have. But hey, before we get into the show, Jordan, we have a little housekeeping. Guys, uh, you you're all familiar with Cigar BQ, right? We do Cigar BQ every year. That's where we ask you guys to from your own house. This is the perfect quarantine event because you do it from your own house everybody across the world on the cigar dojo just you you got to just barbecue whatever you can you know, like like make our taste buds water like bring out the food bring out the drink have a little barbecue at your house and the best part is just by doing this on the dojo you can win prizes this year it's sponsored by drew estate and they have some incredible Prizes for you guys lined up for this year's cigar barbecue. Matt, uh, cigar barbecue this year is uh, Sunday, twenty fourth, May twenty fourth. Matt is in our studio audience. By the way, he's eight feet away. I'm way over here. He's eight feet away from us, so that's within legal guidelines. Matt's eight feet away, but uh, May twenty fourth, Sunday, May twenty fourth. That's the day we'll start promoting it hard in a week or so, maybe even less. Maybe tomorrow I'll start. I don't know, but. Get this. This is the crazy thing, Jordan. This blew me away. 
do you realize that this year's cigar barbecue is our tenth? Tenth. Tenth. I it, that, that's that's it. Well, that, I always I always get confused because like the first year is not a, it's an event without a year, so we can kind of say this is our tenth event, and then next year we can say it's our tenth anniversary. But so we, we get a couple. This will be tenths. our this will be our tenth one. Which is amazing to me that we've done ten crazy cigar barbecues over the year, over the years. That's incredible. It to uh, me. predates the dojo itself. It predates the dojo because we did an, uh, we did a cigar barbecue before we started the dojo the year before, just like on social media and stuff. And then the next year we had, it was like an official event and so forth, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until this year. Boom, ten years of cigar barbecue. We don't want any of you guys to miss it, so we'll tell you all the details. And how you can participate as we get closer. You have a you have essentially a month, so don't worry. You're you're not too late. You can uh, be completely involved with this, and it's going to be a ton of fun, guys. Here's the thing. Just I'm just going to say one thing about this whole thing. You, you don't need <laughs> to thing. wear a medical mask inside your car if you're you know if you're the only person <laughs> in the car. Why? Jordan, I've seen I saw today three people at least, and I've seen this mm-hmm. you know multiple occasions. People driving around with a medical mask I on in their car. Are they trying just, to prevent themselves? They're just better from... than you, you know? Like, I, you're just trying to say, like, <laughs> I guess I care a little bit more. I My neighbor yesterday was mowing his lawn. He's like corner lot. He's around nobody with a face mask on. What's going to happen? He doesn't want to give the grass. <laughs> he doesn't want to give the grass the Verona. So, I mean, I'm all for being safe, people, but you don't need it in your own vehicle when you're driving by yourself. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. In fact, if you but, wear if you wear a mask, you're probably more likely to catch it because so we, uh, Sarah and I, know somebody that sews, and that she made us some pretty cool ones. Oh. And I, I feel kind of like my eight year old self would be kind of jealous that I get to walk around looking like a ninja. All the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, this is the only time in the world you can go to the bank with a mask on, and like nobody thinks anything bizarre about that. It's great. So <laughs> that part. I've really cool. been taking advantage of that yeah, one. I mean, yeah, I've just been walking in with like the full on. You know, hey guys, is it Perdome Jordan? Hashtag Perdomo Monday. Is it? Is You've it, been saying Perdomo Monday. It's Perdomo Monday. No, it's it's. <laughs> that's how it is actually spelled. I agree. You're right about that, Jordan. You're right. It's spelled Perdomo Monday. Perdomo Monday. But it doesn't roll well, you off could say the tongue. Perdomo Monday. Mm, yeah, I don't like that. It's I say it Perdomo Monday. That's the way I say it. But we all know the hashtag because every Monday I typically. Uh, partake in Perdomo Monday. And today is a very special Perdomo Monday because get this. On the show, it's Nick Perdomo. Nick Perdomo, welcome to Smoke Night Live, my friend. How are you? Great being here, Eric. Thanks for having me. Oh man, I can't tell you how excited I am to finally have you on the show, Nick, because I know our schedules uh, are busy. We've tried a couple times, blah 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 blah. Fridays don't work good for you, so hey, we do it on Monday, right? Because it's Perdomo Monday. Well, I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. It's Jeff Todd's fault. Yeah, I know you know Jeff Todd. He got me hooked on Perdomo over a year ago. And ever since that moment, I've been very thankful to him because now I smoke cigars like the one I'm smoking, you know, two, three times a week. I, I like Jordan said, I keep buying boxes. He wonders what I'm what I'm up to, but uh, I just I'm can't stop buying the this twelve year vintage age cigar. It's so incredible. Well, I got to thank for uh, job, uh, Jeff also for getting us together and uh, really proud to be here on Cigar Dojo. Yeah, it's super cool. So the last few weeks, this is great, Nick, because the last few weeks we've had guys in the industry that are like 
I mean, we're talking some of the Mount Rushmore type guys. And they're all like all these companies, all these businesses are family businesses. I had Bobby Newman on the show. Obviously, we, everybody knows about the Newmans and the four generations. And then last week, Alan Rubin was on the show and he has his kids coming up through the ranks. And Nick, you and your son, Nick Perdomo the third, you have you know, you have your son coming up through the ranks and you and your father uh, built this company together. I think it's amazing in myself. I have Jordan to work with, so we have a family company here. But it's cool when you see these companies that are family oriented companies that kind of keep it within the family and are building this tradition. And I, I really do respect that about you guys and uh, and the Perdomo. Well, thanks very much. That was our first brand lot, lot tradition. It was because of the family. And uh, I think, you know, Eric, you've been down our facilities in Nicaragua. And from my wife, Janine, to my brother, Billy, to, to my son, Nicholas, to my mother, who's 85 years old, who comes into work every day, except the last three weeks because of this thing. <laughs> uh, we, we really have everybody in the family that works together. And I think the workers that we have that have been with the company so long are really a line extension of our, of our family, too. You can imagine the average workers worked uh, with Perdomo for 19.4 years. So we've been really blessed. Uh, wow. And we do. We run, we run the business like a family. I think you that's know? amazing that you, that your mom, I mean, other than this, you know, stay at home stuff, 85 years old. And she just she loves this. Right. She comes in and and, oh, yeah. and she wouldn't she wouldn't miss a day if she, unless she absolutely had to like right now. Yeah, she's uh, miserable. I went to, I visit her. I try to take off around 11 o'clock, my wife and I, my son, and we go and spend about a half an hour or so and, and stay outside and talk to her and everything. And it's tough not being able to hug her and kiss her because I want to respect, you know, the, the distance with, with her age. So she, she's more sure. susceptible. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, she really wants to go back to work really bad. And uh, I just told her, look, it's for the best that we, we just wait. But uh, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't missed a step. We've all come to work. I asked my team in Miami and every one of them wanted to come back to work and uh, we haven't stopped. And uh, our sales team is probably itching at the bit. They're all staying home and they, they want to, they want to go on the road. A lot of our guys like Chris Harper and so on are going on because a lot of the States are, are finally opening up and it's, it's been a good thing for us. Right now, Nick, I got a comment. Your, uh, your quarantine facial hair is impressive. This like a, is like a playoff beard. This is good, man. Yeah, it's like a playoff beard. I mean, he's got he's got a you got to work and it's 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 different. I love it. And uh, well, thanks. You know, I mean, it's um, the first it's the first time I've ever grown a beard. Um, I've only shaved once, and it was when I was in the navy. I've, I've had this mustache since I was born. Uh, everybody <laughs> said I was born with it, but I've never had a beard. And uh, my son's razzed me about it because he hates it. But you know the old saying, "Happy wife, happy life." My Janine loves it so. Uh, She's happy. Matters. I'll keep it on for a while. Absolutely. And no suit. Yeah. This, that's a rarity, yeah, I mean, too. Yeah. He's no suit. A shirt, t-shirt on. You know, Nick, hey, you know, yeah, go ahead. You know, a lot of people ask me why I wear a suit. And the reason I wear a suit is really respect. You know, I think I told you about this in Nicaragua. My mother always said, when you go to church and you're in front of your clients and your customers, you should always wear a suit and tie. And I never wanted to upset my mom. And even to this day, at 85 years old, she'll go on Facebook and say, oh, I'm so proud. I see you're in an event. <laughs> And you're always wearing your suit, Nikki. I'm proud of you. So I never wanted to disappoint oh, my mother. That's yeah. why I wear my suit. That's awesome. And that is exactly yeah. why on my show he's wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot I, about it. I, I, I have to be honest with you. Mom goes to bed early, so I, I didn't think she was going to be watching Cigar Day. Uh, I'm just teasing you. So, yeah. all right. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. You start this company in your garage in 1992. This is the ultimate sort of, I don't know if you want to call it rags to riches or whatever, 
but this is your garage, you know, origin story. And it's legit. This is re- this stuff really happens. People build amazing companies in their garages. And you guys did that in 1992. And I imagine back then, if somebody would have asked you, hey, in uh, in the year 2020, if you can, can you imagine that you'd be one of the top selling cigar brands in the entire world? I mean, what would you have said? What would you have thought? I wouldn't have believed that I pinch myself sometimes, you know, it was a lot of hard work together with my wife and uh, my family and the great workers we had. We start out of a garage and my dad, when he came from Cuba, always said, you live in the greatest country in the world. If you work hard, you can obtain anything you want. And he was right. And then uh, latter part of 94, I called my dad and I said, dad, I uh, sold a million cigars. And he said, well, maybe you're not so much of a moron. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, 95, he came to, to work for me, and uh, what a great experience it was to work for my dad. Not only was he a great cigar and tobacco man, but he was also a great businessman. And uh, prior to him passing away, he really he really steered the ship in the right direction. And um, I've been blessed to have just a, a strong, uh, not only a strong family, a dedicated family, but a strong workforce that really cares about all of us. And uh, I'm really blessed, and we continue growing, and I really have never believed in 2020 we would I mean, we started out of a garage with three people. Now we have almost 5,000 workers. Wow. And, uh, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely some, you know, and speaking of, of your dad, um, I think I told you this on the trip, but it's sort of worth, I think, mentioning again, just because a lot of people don't realize the influence he had on so many people in the industry. And if you right. go on, if you go on the uh, Cigar Safari with Drew Estate, which I've done many, many times, they always take time to step aside and show this picture of you of your father with jonathan and they talk about how uh your dad was sort of like the one guy that was there for jonathan when he was sort of trying to get you know his you know uh when he was trying to get things going in nicaragua and your dad was there helping him i always thought that was like an interesting dichotomy because your your brands are so different but yet at the same time it was your pop that was there helping jd way back at the beginning yeah, and I got a lot of respect for John for doing that for my father. But, you know, my dad and, and my, you know, all of us, we always tried to help everybody that started out because I started out very meager to say the least. So I knew how hard it was. And I always believed in giving a young guy a shot. And if I could help somebody, I did. I remember we'd always lend tobacco to a lot of different people and so on. And they'd always say, well, how much do I get? So you owe me nothing. Just replace it when you can. And my father said, if you do good the people good will come back to you and i never forgot that no that's that is definitely true and that really shows through with you guys um so nick uh wasn't that long ago um that i was down there with you in nicaragua me and uh cigar coop went down and with a bunch of other guys we had some guys from uh uh was it czechoslovakia was that where they're from yeah czech republic yeah, czech Repu- yeah right you, you, you were great because we had we had dealers from all over the world, and I, I felt bad because, you know, we were doing a lot of translations, but uh, you and Coop were great, and uh, oh, that's no. why I'm proud to be on both your shows. It was, you know? it was I got to say, guys, so just from my perspective, it was an eye-opening tour. So here's the thing. There's several different cigar safari-type trips you can take, and they, they all have a, a different sort of vibe to them. But the Perdomo tour is the one that you want to take if you really want the nuts and bolts. Like you just want to learn about tobacco. I mean, this tour, Nick, you you take us through step by step by step. I mean, from the very beginning to the very end. And we'll talk about like all the vertical integration stuff because that's one of my things I really want to get with you later. But just as far as the tour goes, like this is a tour that you you kind of almost got to be prepared for because 
there's a ton of information that gets, you know, uh, disseminated uh, to the folks that get to go on this trip. Yeah, I just think that if people make the long trip down to Nicaragua, they should really get to learn everything and learn about our pride and our love and our passion about how we make cigars. And because we're vertically integrated, we can show you everything. And my father said it takes 3,054 people to make one Perdomo cigar. And I basically showed you all 3,054 steps in two and a half days visually. And we get to talk a lot at night. It's a lot of fun. But it's um, if you're looking for a drunk fest, it, it's not the trip. It's really about being educated. And uh, I see a lot of people saying they enjoyed the trip so much. And I have given the trip. And so is our vice president, Arthur Kemper. It's special for us because we feel our facility and our workers are special and how we work is special. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, you can uh, you can really sense the pride throughout the entire throughout the entire trip. And one thing I love about Nick Jordan is like normally you're on one of these trips, right? right? And so you might say to the tour guide, let's whoever, it doesn't matter. You say to the tour guide, hey, uh, when are you going to talk about um, how you uh, sort the tobacco, right? And the tour guide says, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But mm -hmm. when you're on Nick's trip and you say, hey, when are we going to talk about sorting the tobacco? Nick will say, we're going to talk about that in one hour and 32 minutes. It's like, like really? It. It's like one, one hour and 32 minutes? I mean, he literally, I mean, that's like the level that he's like so in tune to this trip, you know, like you just know like exactly when things are going to happen. Now, it was an amazing trip. So, Nick, uh, speaking of this trip and, it, you know, what what is it about the trip? Why do you want to do trips like that? Is there is this just like a consumer education? Is this you know, just trying to get people uh, more familiar with your product. What's the purpose of the trip? It's it's a little bit of both. Initially, we did it for years just with cigar retailers, and we really wanted the input of the consumers with our merchandising and so on. So about nine years ago, I decided to bring consumers, and we weren't really talking shop talk as far as retailer to manufacturer. So I thought it was important. A lot of retailers thought it was important too. And uh, look, who's closer to it than the consumer who goes in to buy the product? So uh, we usually have about 60, 40, 70, 30 retailer versus consumer. But the consumers are super important to us when they come down. And they do learn about us and about our brand. And not everybody makes cigars the same way. We're very unique in the way we do things. And I want them to see and, and be educated because I know they love cigars. And a lot of them love our company. And I want them to see what makes us different and, and what's unique about our products and how they can enjoy them even more so. Right. Now, what would you say does make Perdomo cigars different in the way that you make cigars? What are one or two? I know there's probably a lot of things right along the sure. way, right, that everybody does differently. But, I mean, if you could summarize some of the things that, that you guys do that you feel is that you go over and above on or that's just different from, you know, your typical manufacturer. Well, I think our vertical integration, our passion on how, how we cure and ferment our tobacco and you saw how we barrel age our wrappers and in the particular cigar you're smoking where we do our fillers, binders, and wrappers. Look, I'm at the point now in my career that all I care about is that you're happy smoking the products and our retailers are happy selling the products and feel confident in them. And I was just explaining this to my son just recently. The only thing I work for today is to please my consumer and to please my retailer. And that's what gives me the most satisfaction of being in the industry today. And I love it more than I've ever have. And I'm about to go into my 29th year doing it. So, and I, I grew up around this, you know, coming from a Cuban family, everybody in my family smokes cigars and so on. I've always loved it. I remember when I was seven years old, sitting next to the domino table, you know, when you play dominoes, you play clockwise. And my grandfather would 
would look to the left, and when he did, I'd grab his cigar and I'd take a puff on it, go in the backyard, <laughs> throw up, but I'd get right back on the horse again. So it was it's that's what I love, you know, and I still love it today more than ever, probably. I love those uh, stories of the you know the, the first you know the first cigar smoking experiences. Yeah, and you were, do you was, remember your actual like first full cigar that you were allowed to smoke? Uh, yeah, I actually do. I was. Uh, I was in the Navy and uh, I couldn't afford much. So I was on the Swisher Sweet Kick because that's what I could afford. And I bought my, uh, I think it was a Troy I smoked. It was a Robusto and it was about $1.30. And uh, I just always loved cigars and I was trying, but you know, I was making about 400 bucks a month in the early 80s in the Navy, wasn't making mm-hmm. much money. So it was tough to be able to afford decent cigars. But when I got back home, I got to enjoy more. And then I got really, really quick in the cigar industry after I left the military. Right. Uh, you know, one of the cool things I thought about the the trip and the tour at the factory is, uh, you guys rent an entire little hotel. It's I think it's like on the north side of town. Is that right? Is yes, it on the north side yes. of town. So yes. you just it's a quaint little, it's very charming little hotel that you just completely rent out for the fellas and the women, whoever go right. And so instead of and I mean I'm not saying one thing is better than the other. It's just they're all different. And but it was really fun just hanging out at the hotel instead of being so far away from everything kind of had our own little area and there was a a, a kind of i don't know like a patio or or courtyard area where we all just sat and drank rum and smoked cigars but like how did you come across that hotel and 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 just decide that hey we're just gonna just do it this way and just rent the whole thing out for everybody what happened was the the gentleman owns is 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 english and he came over to our facility and said i'm building this new hotel it's going to be very americanized it's going to have a beautiful courtyard. We're going to have rocking chairs. And we went over, and my wife was one who was instrumental. She went into the kitchen. The most important thing for us was the cleanliness of the hotel and making sure that the food was good. And the woman, the wife, she's actually a chef. And uh, I said, Americans eat a lot. I want to make sure they're fed very well. I want everything super clean, and I want everybody to be happy. And uh, we started with them about nine years ago. Initially, we had a hotel in the center of the city. And I also wanted quiet and peace. Right. I didn't want car alarms and boom, boom music. I wanted guys after this trip to relax, have some drinks, enjoy some great cigars after dinner and be able to rest comfortably. And uh, that was the place that I think is the best place in Estelia. We, we actually rent it from the whole time we do our tours, no matter how many people we have. We, I, I want everybody to be able to smoke, be comfortable, walk around their shorts and flip flops, and not be bothered by other people that are at the hotel. So we, we basically have a, our own audience in there and i think people really love it i like i like that because you really feel like you are ingrained into the esteli culture like you are in you're in another world man it's not like being um in just part of the city you're so far out and in that quaint little area now nick it blew me away when you told me how many people per year you guys take on these tours uh, that's incredible. Like, uh, tell folks how many people per year you guys bring down to Estelie. We bring between four to 600 people a year. And, um, we, we've even had trips where we had to set them off for repeat trips where guys have been there, for example, more than five times. And a lot of, a lot of your, a lot of your, uh, guys who, who listen to dope, who listen to your show have been down there like Jeff Todd and a lot of guys. And they really enjoy it because I think most people really want to be they want to learn about cigars, not go to a you know a beach or anything. Listen, I got a beach right here. Anybody can go to a beach or or a waterfall or anything like those are nice things. I think people when they make that long trek, I think it's important for them to get to learn about 
how we make cigars and really get to see everything and being vertically integrated. They get to see every single thing from the way we develop our seeds all the way to the curing fermentation, all the way to the stuff being frozen, being packed to, to be shipped all around the world. I think they love it. Yeah, let's let's and we get, love doing it. Let's get into this vertical integration, because there was a time when you guys were not vertically integrated. And so the the whole idea, folks, if you're listening and most of you probably know this being vertically integrated just means that they control the entire process. They grow the tobacco, they, the seeds, the tobacco, the processing, all of that. And then they make the cigars. And not only that, but they make the boxes and even the cellophane for the for the cigars. I mean, you guys are entirely vertically integrated, Nick. Yeah, what happened was in 1999, there's an old Italian saying, you buy the, sometimes you buy the clam, but you get the can. And I was getting tired. I mean, there's some great growers out there, but um, there was one particular grower who sold uh, me a bunch of tobacco, and it was all mixed, and I was getting angry, and the, they were using nitrogen. The tobacco wasn't burning correctly. I remember looking at my dad in the latter part of 1998, and I said, we got to be completely vertical. we got to do this ourselves. And that's where we brought Aristides Garcia, who worked in Cuba with my father, who, by the way, is 89 today. Yeah. And just celebrated his 77th year in the cigar industry. He was he was the first guy that brought we brought in from Cuba to help us with, with curing and fermentation. He's been with the company now for 21 years. And we started doing everything. And you hit it right on the head. We do everything from developing our seed with our genetic department all the way to making our boxes. We even make our own staples, emulsions for paint, everything you can think of. And if you keep it under one shop, and you monitor yourself, your quality is going to be much better. It actually costs us more money to grow tobacco because of all the things that you got to see, our watering systems that we developed with right. the Israeli company to using bare fertilizers and using the best because we believe our customers and our consumers deserve that. What do you, you know, I, I mean, you just touched on three or four real solid pros for being vertically integrated, but what are some of the challenges? Like, because let's face it, it's, this isn't exactly easy. Like what you're doing makes it way, yeah. way harder. So there's cons. I mean, like a lot of companies show up and they just buy tobacco and they say, oh, okay, this, this, this bale looks good. This looks good. Yeah. We'll take four bales of that. We'll take this many pounds of that. And they buy it. They don't have to worry about, you know, a bad, you know, weather season or mold or any of that. They just buy the tobacco. So there's, there's challenges with being vertically integrated, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Weather phenomena. You have to really pinpoint, for example, Nelson Cuba runs our operations, has to forecast everything we're doing uh, and, and what we need. If, if we make too much, I get mad. If we make too little, I get mad. It's always going to be pinpoint precise. Arthur Kemper with the packaging and all the, the attention to detail that we do, because we believe a box of cigars is super important. And I remember when I bought my first box of cigars, it's not about peddling a box of cigars for a cutter and lighter. The, the cigars are special and they're made by many hands. And I just wanted everything to be done so perfectly because I'm anal on that. I'm very picky myself and what I like, just like your bourbon. You like your bourbons and yes. you want the best of what you like. And I'm the same way with the cigars. And uh, like I said earlier, I believe our consumers and our retailers deserve that. And I think that's why vertical integration kinds of separates us from others. And I just got tired of buying things and not getting what I, I paid for. And I decided we would do it vertically, even though we have some, some great partners, the Perez family, who, who uh, with our wrappers in Ecuador, Connecticut seed, together with the Oliva cigar, the tobacco people out of Tampa, not the cigar people. We've been doing business with these guys for over 25 years, and they've been great to us. But really, about 99.3% of the tobacco that's used in any Perdomo cigars is grown by the Perdomo family. And 
and I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of our workforce, not only here in, in Miami, but our sales team around the country. I wouldn't trade any of them for anything. And our great staff in Nicaragua and our distribution teams all around the world. Yeah, no. And my family, of course, who stayed through me through thick and thin. They've been fantastic and have supported me from the time I started out of a garage to this day. So uh, let's take a uh, quick commercial break, Jordan. Right. And when we get back, I'm going to ask Nick like some of his the biggest challenges that he's faced over all these years, like some of a couple failures that maybe he learned from over the years. Because man, believe me, I learn from failures all the time. In fact, even today, I've I've failed several times, and I learned from that. But guys, this show is sponsored by Jr. Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, including the brand-new exclusive Cabanas, crafted by the legendary Don Pepin Garcia. Don't forget to check out their social media pages, including YouTube, where they feature cigar reviews, interviews, and their famous weekly top five videos. Check out JR Cigars for all of your premium cigar needs. Folks, this is episode 242 of Smoke Night Live. It's a special Perdomo Monday edition of Smoke Night Live, and we are here with our special guest, Nick Perdomo Jr. Nick, welcome back to the show. So, Nick, it's not always a bed of roses, right? A, a career in an in an industry like this, or any industry, really, realistically, when you've spent as much time as you have, you've had, you know, failures, things that didn't go the way you wanted it to, but then you learn from that. What can you talk, you know, talk about a couple of those that maybe you learn from? Sure. I mean, there's some brands that don't uh, sometimes don't stick. I've been really pleased that we've had a lot of brands that have and our successes have more than outweighed our failures. But you're always going to have, you know, the risks, the sleepless nights. You know, there were times someone asked me, I, I did a, a, a there was a movie called Hand Rolled and I got a great question. It kind of hit me like a bucket of ice water. The guy said that he struggled in business. I said, of course, everybody has to struggle in business. He said, what's the hardest thing? Have you ever had to deal with in business? And when he when he told me that, it was really like a kick in the teeth. Mm. I said it was the death of my dad. That mm. was the hardest thing I ever deal with because I didn't get to have a chance to really mourn it. I had to, you know, I was a leader of the company. I had to pick right. up myself by the bootstraps, and and it was difficult. All the risk, you know. There were a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of support from my family. You know, there were times where um, I didn't even have money to eat, and I remember calling my dad and saying, "Hey, dad, can I come over for dinner?" And he said, "Of course, you're my son." I said, "No, dad, not." Today I'd like to eat dinner at your house for like a month because I'm paying all I'm paying I'm paying all my employees, but uh, we're having a tough time getting something to eat here because I want to make sure I pay everybody first. So right. everybody who starts a business struggles, especially when you build it from the ground up. And I'm proud, you know. There's an old saying that says if it doesn't make you strong, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And I've learned a lot by by my mistakes, and I'm by no means perfect. That's for darn sure. But I learned from them too, and you right. hit it right on the head. You got to learn from your mistakes. That's a great question. Yeah, you got to be able to recognize those things, and and that's one of the cool things. Like on your tour, like you you mentioned those things as you went along. And like speaking of tobacco, Nick, like I got to say, guys, I've been to a lot of these places, and I've seen some beautiful fields of tobacco. And I, one of them I can think of right off the top is when we went to the Davidoff Fields in the DR Jordan. Beautiful fields of oh, yeah. tobacco. But what Perdomo does in there you know, in their fields is equally amazing. And one of them, Nick, is the, um, the Natalie farm, the Finca Natalie. It's, it's basically like in a giant, uh, a volcano crater. Is that right? That is correct. Absolutely. It's and the beautiful. Grounds are extremely fertile there. Yeah, it is. Now you talk a lot about, you talk a lot about having like making sure like all the tobacco is really excited, pointing upright and all about the same height. And it was amazing 
to see that in real life. Like realistic, when you go to these farms, like your tobacco is all just, you know, it looks all the same. It's so uniform. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was in the military. I wanted everything that looked like soldiers. <laughs> and uh, a, lot of, a lot of it has to do like, whatever. It has to do with the seed. And we have a great agronomy team and we have a great genetic team. And uh, we really, really are strong in ground prep and the agronomy part of it, making sure uh, globally by GPS that we fertilize these fields by sections of their lot numbers. We just don't throw a, a basic fertilization on one field because one field might be close to a river where it's more loamy and those tobaccos are going to be lighter because you have water erosion underneath. So we really checked that. We can even take droplets of water now with this new system that we designed together with the Israeli company, and we can actually fertilize, drop fertilizer in a droplet of water and get it right directly into the plant. And that's been a blessing, and we've gotten fantastic yields, heavier-type tobaccos, and we've produced a better cigar for our customer year in and year out. So I believe in a lot of technology. or some of the new technology I don't I found to be a waste of time. So I think it's nice I can use a lot of the old traditional stuff that my dad taught me together with a lot of the new traditional stuff. And I've been blessed that I was able to be educated here in the United States. And uh, my dad said we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I'm a good listener, and I like to listen. And if I can find different ways or better ways to make our product superior, I'm, I'm all open to it. Now, maybe I'm wrong about this, Nick, but isn't it even within, uh, even within one farm, one field, you can – tell differences in what the the tobacco plants are desiring at the time exactly and that was together with this company and together with our partners our fertilization partners and sometimes some of the fields need anything but i know exactly pinpoint to the parts per million that every single lot number needs and that's what this is our consistency of, of our brands and our blends and how we can have a brand like 12 year double age vintage that tastes consistent year in year out or Pinot reserve champagne or habano or 20th anniversary it's important. Uh, nothing's more frustrating, I think, for a smoker when he smokes a cigar and he enjoys it. And he smokes another cigar and he says, it doesn't taste the same. My whole thing is to make sure that our brands are consistent in their flavor characteristics, regardless of blend. And I think that's why we've had so many brands that have been out, you know, 15, 16, 17, 20, 21, 22 years. And they're still can, are still, you know, loved by consumers worldwide. And we're proud of that. Yeah, you know, that's it's funny that you bring that up because that's a question that I've been asking a lot recently on various shows is, you know, today's consumer, they, they tend to want, you know, what's new, what's new. They always want to know what's new. You come up with a brand new cigar and then, and you give it to them. And the first thing out of their mouth is what do you, what's coming up next, right? What's coming up next. But it's, it's a much tougher challenge to uh, maintain brands, to maintain a line and keep it popular and keep it, you know, in the consumer's mind and in their humidors. Right. Absolutely. And, and some of the great cigar makers out there have been able to do that. And the reason is, is because they have consistency. And that's what we strive for every day. It's not what's new. I was just in South Miami with a, a friend of mine and a guy recognized me and said, I love your cigars. I've been smoking them for over 20 years. Is there something new? And I said, of course, I said, if you look at this wall here, there's always going to be something that you, <laughs> right. you, you haven't seen. I said, have you ever tried to put on a reserve champagne? He said, no, I haven't. I said, well, We've sold probably over 60 to 70 million of these cigars in, in its tenure, and people really love it. So you have a really great, consistent product, and it's new to you because you haven't smoked it. I think the retailers have to start looking at that. Nobody wants strawberry-flavored diet, diet Fanta. They want, you know, Coke, Diet Coke, and Sprite. They want, you know, staples that are consistent time in and time out. And uh, I don't begrudge anybody. I was the boutique of boutiques. I started out of a garage with two people. 
but I've always made every cigar that I've, I've, I've ever made. And uh, I just want people to be happy with the product. And we have a big portfolio. There's something new for everybody. But what's unique about our products is you get to smoke a product you might never have smoked that millions of people have smoked before. And it's a consistent product that you're going to enjoy in day in and day out. And that's the thing that I think our team is most proud of. So along the way, during this um, uh, gauntlet of issues that you run through and the successes and the failures, uh, name a couple points or at least one point where you, you said to yourself, wow, I think, I think we're really on to something here. And was it the champagne or was it, you know, like, when did you say to yourself, man, like we're really hitting our stride here. I think we've, we, we, now this is what I want and this is the product that I love and it's successful and I, it's a hit for me. Well, we knew Nicaragua was special. We moved there in 1995. There was only two cigar pumps from cigar factories working there. And I remember always asking my dad why we were here because there wasn't even running water back in those days. And my dad would always point to the ground. He'd say, look at these grounds. And he convinced me of it. There's nothing like Nicaragua because we have fields in all different types of areas, 100 miles apart in some instances. I, I thought Perdomo Reserve, when it first came out, it got the highest vertically uh, rated scores in, in Cigar Aficionado. And we don't advertise with them, which was unique. And and we got some incredible scores. And then we came out with a Connecticut wrap cigar called Perdomo Reserve Champagne, where everybody said, you can't use Nicaraguan fillers and binders for the Connecticut shade wrapper. It'll never work. And to this day, after 19 years, the brand continues climbing like an F-16. I knew that we were really getting on to some stuff. And we had some we have some great people. I mean, Sarah Gonzalez, who's been in the cigar industry since 1965, Arisis Garcia, all my team in Miami, uh, my vice president, Arthur Kemper. I mean, these guys, when you know everybody's pulling the same way, it really makes a difference in your company. And uh, I, believe me, I say it a million times: the greatest asset of, of my company is certainly not me. It's it's our workers, and I'm blessed to have every one of them. And I think that's what differentiates ourselves. Where uh, it's not I, it's we. And believe in that. So let's talk about uh, bourbon barrel fermenting. So uh, a lot of people will say, like, oh, this tobacco is double fermented or triple fermented and that kind of thing. And, and typically I don't think that that's even true or even possible, but there it's is not. there. Right. Right. I, I was trying to, I was trying to be politically correct, but there is right. a way to uh, double ferment. And that's what you guys do with all of your wrapper tobacco. And in, in, in like you said, in this particular cigar, all of the tobacco in it, so talk about bourbon. It's not to impart any bourbon flavor into the cigars. This is strictly to get another fermentation process started in that tobacco. Talk about how that works. Well, once tobacco is fermented, we ferment, we ferment our tobacco 100%. A lot of people say the bale should take care of it. I don't believe that. I believe the bale, once you bale age the tobacco, you're trying to marry the flavors in that bale. The bourbon barrel has two things at one time bourbon was cased or plugged at five years and they use a very good wood called french oak or american oak which is a real poor splintery wood alcohol residue embeds into that bourbon barrel they also char the inside as you well know they don't varnish the outside so the tobacco breathes so three things happen when you deposit that tobacco inside the free radicals of the alcohol the bourbon actually give the tobacco another fermentation period the charring inside the barrel is a filtering agent, which really reduces the rough edges of the tobacco even after its initial fermentation. Together, and also because the, the barrel can breathe, you get darker casts and colors. And what you're doing is building the core of the tobacco up where you really get the, the nuances and flavors. The sugars rise no different than alcohol and under fermentation. 
And what it does, you see those colors, the tonalities climb up, they get, they get shades darker, the tobacco becomes richer, and it actually heats up and gives another fermentation period. We started this in the latter part of the 90s. My dad brought it up. You should never argue with your father. I didn't <laughs> think it was possible because once you, once you ferment tobacco, it was done, but he was right. And today we have over 984 barrels that we use, and we, we're just big believers in it. And we think it differentiates our cigars amongst a lot of different cigars because of that extra fermentation. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. Like uh, when you when you have a cigar like this that has this sort of extra it, fermentation, you get that really nice, just buttery flavor that I love. And it just the tobacco just seems like it just wants to it wants to produce for you, man. It does. You're not working at it. It just wants to do its thing and it wants to give you that flavor. It just makes it so just, I don't know, delicate. I don't know if that's a good word, but I mean, you're getting a ton of flavor, but I mean, the tobacco itself just is burning and it just wants to impart that flavor into your palate. I love that. You're spot on. That's exactly what it does. What it's doing is the tobacco is giving you everything that you need. You're really tasting every nuance, whether it be sweet, spicy. Uh, you know, aromatic. It, it brings out the best properties in the tobacco. It's expensive. It's a longer process, as you saw when you came down Escalade, but it's worth every penny because it brings a smile to the consumer's face. And that's really what I work for today. And that's what makes me happy, to be quite honest with you. Right. Nick, uh, one of the audience members wants to know how often can you reuse those barrels? That's a great question. I remember talking to John Noah from, from Jim Beam, and he said a barrel would be good for 25 years. I thought that was crazy. But in reality, what we do is we use the barrels, and what we do is we actually take bourbon, and we case the inside of the barrels every three years mm. to make sure we impregnate the bourbon back into the barrels. But uh, I remember John came out with a, a, a bourbon many years ago. At the time, they were going to call it Satan's Cut. And he said he could actually absorb the bourbon out of the actual barrels and they would come out like blocks of almost tar. And then they would put it and mix it in the barrels to bring up the, the strength mm. oh, wow. in the cask. And uh, they ended up, he said, you'll see it in the Super Bowl at the time. And they ended up calling it Jim Beam's uh, Devil's Cut at the time, it was called. And uh, it's true. It, it really lasts a long time. However, every 36 months, we recase the bourbon barrels because we think it's important because that wood is so absorbent that we can get that and we can get that bourbon because we want those free radicals to work at alcohol to give that tobacco an extra fermentation period. And we've been doing it for 22 years and it's been very successful for us and our workers are just so used to, to doing it. It's like a, it's like, it's like brushing your teeth in the morning. For that. <laughs> it doesn't um, seem, yeah. it doesn't seem Nick, like you are um, overly concerned about imparting the stuff that you do, the secrets I don't. I can't. I don't even want to call them secrets because you go on the tour and you just pretty much say whatever it is that you guys sure. do. So you're not. It doesn't seem like you're concerned at all about uh, sharing your exact process with whoever wants to listen. That doesn't mean anybody else could do it exactly the same. But I mean, is that ever a concern to you that oh, there are people going to follow me or whatever? No, most people think I'm crazy that they think it's overkill, <laughs> but it really doesn't. It really, it's all about attention to detail and everything you do. It's very expensive. Uh, people don't use mathematics properly sometimes, and uh, if they would do it, it would really make their cigars even better. But uh, Insanity is always doing the same thing all over again, expecting a different result. And uh, I just – I think because I just – I'm anal about quality. I think a lot of guys are, but I'm maybe a little over the top. Um, <laughs> I just I just look at different things, and anything I can think of that will better the process – 
I'm I'm all in for that. And and barrel aging tobacco and, and bourbon barrels is really paramount for Perdomo. I don't think many people do it. I heard people, you know, I've heard some guys. I use rum barrels. That's not true. Rum is varnished. It wouldn't breathe if you mm -hmm. did that. You know, and tobacco needs to breathe. And bourbon is really the the ultimate the ultimate cast to be able to to get that tobacco fermenting and give give it those caramelization of colors and bringing those sugars up and imparting those flavors just like you said, where they're mm -hmm. buttery, they're they're just really nice, and you really get to enjoy the cigar a lot better. And when you construct the cigar perfectly you're going to have an optimum product for your customers and your consumers. Another example of that is you guys make a smaller pilon. Like when you're, when you're, when you bring the tobacco in and you're, and you're putting it in the, in the pilones and everybody knows you're, you know, you're fermenting it and bringing the temperatures up and all of that with the pressure of the tobacco on it. You guys do a dramatically smaller pilone, but it takes a lot longer. Like, why do you guys do that? Because we don't want to, we don't want to destroy any of the tobacco. Our mindset is whether it's filler binder or wrapper, Everything is grown as its wrapper. And if you have a sound leaf, whether it's a filler or a binder, if you don't have any holes or tears, the tobacco is going to burn better. The flavors are going to be consistent. Because if you can envision, if you had a hole in the tobacco and it was burning, you would miss that flavor characteristic for maybe two or three puffs. And we want consistency in the product from the beginning to the end. Hence why we're really picky on, on you even saw when we were picking the tobacco, we put everything in canisters. We tie every priming in one line, and we really take care of from the time we pick that tobacco to the time we cure that tobacco through fermentation, aging, bale aging, all the way down to the end because nothing's going to tell you the cigar is great until it's made. Right. So there's a lot of variances that you have to do, and you really have to take care of that. Why are you going through all that you're doing that you saw on the tour if we're not going to take care of those leaves like they're babies in reality? Yeah, that's you, why. You just kind of mentioned it just real briefly in passing just right then when you said this, but you, you say this on the tour, you treat all the tobacco as if it's going to be a wrapper. Ex yeah, explain why you even, say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the wrapper is the final dress, and that's the prettiest part of the cigar because that's what you see. But the inside has to be beautiful too. It's no different than when you're growing tobacco. Everybody sees these beautiful leaves upright and say, boy, I've never seen a, a farm so impeccable. I haven't seen all your farms are so impeccable. To me, what's important is what's underground, that root base. Because I know if I develop a better root base and a thicker root base, I'm going to have richer and richer tobacco. It's more flavor for our customers. And uh, we feel that's really important. The same thing when you smoke that cigar. I'm looking at the inside of that cigar just as much as the outside of that cigar because that's what you're going to taste. and That's what's going to be rewarding for you. And it's, that's where you're going to be salvatory if you enjoy that product and its consistency. So, Nick, uh, one of the cool things that you do on the tour <clears throat> is and you and I can see this coming coming out of you on Facebook as well. You are very very in tune to the merchandising aspects of your product, like maybe more than any company I've ever seen. And you've you study this thing. It's you have it down to a science and in what it appeals to the eye and all of that sort of thing. And ultimately, I mean, um, you know, some people might think that oh that you know that's not true or whatever. But there's studies on just this very thing, like how the co consumer sees a product and you're you are in tune to and trying to help you know brick and mortars display product whether it's your own or other products even what's the best way to display a product so that a consumer can understand it and, and get the point and want to buy it well we've studied it for years and we've studied companies like kimberly clark and procter and gamble and coca-cola and we, we want our retailers to be successful you know we took a brand like perdomo habano when we first 
re-merchandised re, re it, and 63% of our consumers said yes, and 37% told me not to run their business. That's not what I wanted to do. I want them to turn the product. By not having 37% of our retailers not following the merchandise, we didn't sell them the product. We ended up growing our business by 113% that year. And now everybody goes to it because people, you know, they got to trust you. And it's not about selling an extra box of cigars. It's about displaying the product properly so our retailers are successful. And you got to remember, 84% of my business is brick and mortar. That's why you see me a lot on Facebook asking people to please support their brick and mortar. Those are the guys that took me to the dance. Janine still has triplicate forms of the two guys smoke shop and all this supporters from the beginning. And we really believe that these guys need to be supported one and helped even more so now than ever. And I want them to be successful. So that's a lot of times why I help them and I show them. A lot of times I'll tell them, you give me a green post and a red post and I can tell you what brands sell and what brands don't sell. A lot of times it's not the brands that are not performing. It's that you didn't give those brands a shot. Right. To be able to sell because people can't see them. So merchandising does is super important. Yeah, like uh you you do a, a neat sort of like side by side example at the factory tour of, you know, things that you should do. And when you showed the the side that that was like the, the bad side, the side you shouldn't do, it actually looked pretty good to me. I want just to be honest, right. it looked pretty good. And then you like right. pull the curtain on the other side and it just made such a difference. Like how you organize the product. It just really did make a difference. Yeah, and if you look for us, for example, on advertising, we really don't advertise in any magazine except Cigar Journal and, and on print. And how we built our brands is by proper merchandising, the, the great job that our sales team does in training, doing events all around the country, which, by the way, I miss doing a lot with these times, but also supporting our retailer and, and showing them why it works. Because, you know, to me, it, it sounds elementary, but it, it's a partnership because Perdomo wasn't a brand or any brand for that matter. It just didn't start flying off shelves. It was it was those store clerks and those store managers and those owners that, that helped build those brands. And my job, and I believe our job, is to make sure that we assist them to be more and more successful. We've been in the business long enough where the retailers trust us and it's been it's been great. Uh it's been a great success for all of us. And um we love our retailers and we love our consumers, and we're gonna try to help them the best they can because the more successful they are, the more successful we'll be. And it's, it sounds elementary, but it's the truth. Right. Nick, you got a really cool uh, YouTube series that you guys produce. And by the way, it's very well produced. Um, amazing. You. you guys do a fantastic job. And the interesting part of it is it's on topics that are like the super elemental. Like, you know, how do you cut a cigar? How do you light a cigar? You know, what's, you know, humidifying your cigars in your humidor and that sort of thing. But I think what most people re like what happens is people get in this industry in the hobby and they get so in tune to it and they, they know every little detail. But there's a ton of guys, 80, maybe 80 percent of the cigar smokers that just haven't heard that before. And even on your tour, you know, you took time one night uh, to show everybody, you know, how to cut and light a cigar. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I mean, I'm maybe some guys get offended by that. Me personally, I don't because I learned something from somebody no matter what, like I always want to like absorb that information. I'm no expert on this kind of stuff. And when I come across a guy like you, like I like that kind of thing. So what was the, uh, the idea behind the, the video series there? Was it just kind of to try to help out the guys that, that maybe have just never seen anybody cut and light a cigar properly? I think that's one of it. What happened was many years ago, about five years ago, I did a thing with famous cigars and I did on how to cut and light. And by today, I think I have 1.2 million views on YouTube about it. 
and traveling all across the country, people said, you know, I've been smoking cigars for 20, 30 years, and I've been doing it wrong. And I think it's good when you see a guy who works in a factory who does it day in and day out. And I think about these things. How do you properly cut light a cigar? Well, I know it because I know how the cigars are made and how they're rolled and how they get the optimal. I want guys to be able to enjoy our products. And by learning how to cut and light a cigar on Perdomo Cigars on our YouTube, and I keep going on and I just go in succession on, on different things, how to get the most out of your cigar and, and so on and some of the, the aspects you do. I think it's helpful because no matter how many years you've been smoking cigars, you can learn. Listen, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I learn every day. If you're not learning every day, you should take a gun and put it to the side of your head because <laughs> it's, it's, it's really no fun oh in life God. if you're not learning something I, every day I, of the week. That's and not I, an I official every, position I, of Smoke Night Live. Nobody, no, please, no, nobody it, do it's that. It's a joke. It's, it's actually a joke, folks. My dad used to always say, you know, it's it, it's it's great to learn, and I I think our consumers and our retailers appreciate us doing that. And I've never had a tour where I haven't brought everybody to that table and said, would anybody really want to learn how to get the most out of a cigar by cutting it properly and lighting it properly? And people freak out. I've had ninety nine percent of the people thank me. And say, man, I'm, I get so much more out of the cigar. Like not taking the band off. What's the reason why you shouldn't take the band off and so on? There's a reason for everything. And you get much more enjoyment out of your cigar. People pay a lot of money. And they work really hard to enjoy their cigars. And I want them to get every bit out of the cigar. And I think most people really appreciate it. People are probably now asking, what is the reason why you don't take the band off? Yeah, there you go. The re- go yeah, what, the reason you don't take that. the well, the reason you don't take the band off when the girl puts the, the pectin on the band, a little bit of the pectin is going to touch the wrapper. It's only natural because they do it by hand. When you pull it off, sometimes you can rip the wrapper off, but something else happens. You produce little stress cracks on the actual wrapper, and when the barrel heats up, that's where you start getting cracks and pops. And a lot of times you think it was the manufacturer, but it was actually because you took the band off. I always say use the pinky rule. When you get to a pinky level from the band, that pectin is melted and heated. And that's the best time to take the band off, and um, and you'll get a lot more you'll get a lot more smoking enjoyment if you do it that way. So that that's that's some of the reasons. It's sort of that, like uh, that's really the main reason. It's kind of like Nick, you're you're unnecessarily taking a chance, uh, hurting your cigar. You might not. Right. You might be able to take it off and it'd be just fine. But you're unnecessarily taking a risk when you don't have to, and you could theoretically damage the cigar. You're spot on. That's exactly what it is. And I don't want people to 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 not enjoy the labor that we put in. Sometimes a cigar will crack because, believe it or not, I've seen it where a guy will look at a cigar and the cigar will fall on the ground. Instead of the guy saying, I'm going to take it, he puts it back in the box mm. and it's got a little stress crack. And the guy lights it up and he assumes that right. the cigar was cracked. I promise you, we never the cigars never leave the factory unless they're in pristine condition. And you know it, Eric. You were there at the factory. You'd, all the care that we, we take to make the cigars. But sometimes that happens. And there's some operator area that I'm trying to eliminate consistently. And I think people really appreciate it. And I enjoy doing these YouTube videos. I'm actually doing another one tomorrow. And and, um, and we do them every every Tuesday and they, they come out and they've been they've been warmly received by by our consumers all around the world. And I'm happy to be able to teach because it's my passion too. It's not just about selling cigars. It's about educating people. I want younger guys to learn about cigars and learn how to do it properly. I'll be quite honest with you. A lot of the misinformation that I see out there bugs me because people are not getting their bang for their buck because they're being taught incorrectly from people that aren't really in the trade. And um, it doesn't mean they don't know any more than I do. Quite possibly they do. But I want people to really get the most enjoyment. I just want to teach them my years of experience being in the cigar industry 
Um, no different than when I saw John Bonham play Ludwig drums. That was the first thing I asked my mom if I could buy one because <laughs> I said, if John Bonham plays them, how good can that be? You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. um, if you learn from a, a professional who does this day in and day out, I think you're going to get a little more out of it. I would hope so. And I hope people get something out of this when they learn. I think they do. I get a lot of great responses for it. Oh, we're going to get to, we're going to get a drumming here in a minute, but Hey Nick, I got a tough one for you now. Sure. Um, so we talked about this on the trip. Um, you have a little bit of a reputation as maybe being like a guy that's he's he's not in all the circles. Uh, maybe some people criticize you because they think that maybe you're not as friendly as maybe some of these other guys, which I think that that all goes away when you get to, to meet you. But on the surface, you know, there's that criticism. And it, on the trip, I brought this up to you when we were eating dinner one night, and you had a really great answer. Maybe I don't know if you remember it. I can help you along, but but how would you respond to that? Well, I I, I feel I'm extremely friendly. The you know I'm I'm a family man, and I'm just like you, Eric. I have, I have children like you do. You have grandchildren. I'm looking forward to, to having grandchildren. When right. I'm in Nicaragua, I, I work tremendous amounts of hours, and a lot of times guys will say, hey, "Let's have a beer." And back in those days, it wasn't well, and I wanted to spend as much time as I could with my father right. when I was in Nicaragua, because he was my hero and it, it certainly didn't have anything to do. I have a lot of great friends in Nicaragua, like Adele Fernandez and, and, uh, and, and I hang out. I'm really good friends with Carlos Fuente. There's a lot of great guys in the industry that, that I really like that I have a lot of respect for, but you know, when we're working, it, it's hard to get out because a lot of times I'm in that factory from six in the morning. Sometimes I leave at nine, nine, ten o'clock at night and I'm really exhausted. I just want to, have dinner, take a shower and, and hit the sack and get back into it tomorrow again on the five o'clock wake up call. So I think I'm misunderstood a lot of times because I'm so tight with my family, but I have a great core of friends. I love, I love our workforce and uh, I'm actually an extremely friendly guy. Most people will tell you he's, he'll give you the shirt off his back. Uh, I don't know why I'm, why some people are mis, misunderstand me. I, I, I just busted my ass all my life. And you're a family I, focused guy. And sometimes hey, I've been there. Believe me in the cigar industry. I've been there like, Hey, Eric, uh, we're going to head to the, you know, this club that da, 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 da. I'm like, eh, that's nah, not, that's, nah, I don't really, you know, but it, cause I want to go hang out with, after I'm done doing all this, I want to go hang out with my wife and my kids, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm, I totally understand, way. you know, where you're coming from on that. Got episodes of lost to watch. I've got all. episodes of lost to watch, but Hey, Hey Nick. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, yeah, go ahead. No, and people, people misunderstand you and don't understand that. It's like when I'm at the trade show, I like to build my booth because I want to help my guys out. I, I, we're a team and we work. So a lot of times I'm not out there, you know, shooting the crap with somebody because I'm building my booth. I don't think that makes me a bad guy. I'm just trying to be responsible. And, <laughs> and I, I want to be with my team because I really don't get to see them much. I only right. see them, you know, the times I, I, I travel with them, which is infrequently. I like to do it more, more so. But, you know, I'm, I'm in, the, in the factory. I think I'm, I'm pretty misunderstood. And it, it's not a problem that I have. It's a problem that these guys have. And, they got to know me. I think most of them will tell you, most of the people that know me in the industry will tell you that I'm actually a very nice guy. I think I am. Well, I can vouch for that. We had an incredible Thank time. You. And hey, Nick, um, you're a huge Alabama fan, Alabama football. Now, the Broncos just drafted Jerry Judy, number one. He was our number one pick, 15th overall. What are we going to get in Jerry Judy? You're gonna get another. You're gonna get another Rice. I mean, you're gonna get probably one of the. You're gonna get a Hall of Fame wow. wide receiver if, really? if your quarterback. If your quarterback can make 
can throw the ball to him, he's going to be lights out. He's one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he's a very disciplined uh, young man also, hardworking kid, and uh, he's a South Florida kid where I'm from, and uh, I think you guys got a steal with him at 15. I think he could have been a top two, top three player. Wow. I'm proud of my team, the Miami Dolphins, getting Tua. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be lights out too, but uh, Judy's going to be great. He's going to be good as long as he can handle that altitude. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a rocket. You guys got a, a big winner there on you, both sides. You, you can't, the altitude's rough on you, right? Very rough on me. I love Colorado, but I have a problem with altitude. I get severe headaches mm -hmm. and, uh, I drink a lot of water before I go out there. I pee a lot, but it's still, I still get the headaches. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'd like to come out there and see you one time out there. Yes. I, I, I love the state of Colorado. It's gorgeous. Just altitude always bothers me. I almost died one time in Ecuador. Uh, I was in Quito. I was 15,000 feet with my wife. I got severe high altitude sickness, and I literally almost died. So I'm really afraid to go out there. I did the Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest a couple years ago, and I just I hung with it, but uh, it was tough. Right. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, if you have that high altitude sickness, it's tough. Hey, okay, so you're a you're a, a great drummer. Oh, you let you can pull those out if you want to just go to regular. Yeah, audio. I will. Let me put the volume sure. up here. It's an Apple product. I should have known better. Oh, <laughs> ouch! There Whoa, we go. Please. There we go. That's right. I'm I'm an Android guy where things work. You know? uh, yeah, so okay. I got you now. All right. So Nick, you're you're a fantastic drummer. You're that's another passion of you of yours is is drumming. And so tonight's weekly top three, Jordan. Weekly top three. That's Jordan. Does I have it. to say it. Jordan it's sings sorry. it. Uh, the weekly top three. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, this week's weekly top three is I want now. Me and Jordan aren't going to pick this because we don't know enough about drumming to make it interesting. But from you, I want to know what are the best three drummers of all time. Now, when I was a kid, I remember watching Johnny Carson, Buddy Rich. Like I can remember, like da -da -da, you know, like he was amazing. But I want to hear from you. What are the best three drummers of all time? Well, you hit it right on the head. Buddy Rich is definitely one of them. Oh, nice. Number two would be John Bottom of Led Zeppelin. Ooh. And my number three drummer, Stuart Copeland from The Police. Oh, excellent pick. You know, I like his picks. Nice picks. You've got, he's got it from the jazz world. He's got it from the rock world. And then he's got it kind of from the kind of the new wave uh, era. That's a great, that's a great pick. I've always heard that the, Police's drummer was one of the best of all time. Without a doubt, but there's so many great drummers out there. I got a friend of mine named Near Z in the Nashville area. It's great. I played with with Pearl drums, and there's a couple cats that, that are Pearl, uh, Glenn Caruba, and Ray, Raymond Massey. I mean, when you hear these guys play, you just want to take your sticks and throw them in the air and say, "Why the hell am I doing this?" But, uh, <laughs> there, there, there's there's some great drummers out there. But those those three are probably my inspirations. I like that. That covers the whole spectrum. Hey, Nick, uh, before we go, uh, I'm going to ask you, f lastly, what's um, next for Perdomo Cigars? But before I get there, uh, what are the odds that the summer trade show actually happens, the PCA show? Is it going to happen? What do you think? If I, if you had to uh, put a percentage on this, what are the chances? I would say probably 75% no. We're in, no matter what. If they do it, we're definitely in. We've been, we've been members for a lot of years and supported them. 100%, but I think with everything that's happened, it's going to be really tough. I know these guys are working hard, but I think the retail has struggled a lot, and I think it's going to be tough for them to get out. I think our president knows that, and uh, I, if I was a bad man, I would probably think not, but I, you know, right. I only wish the best for them, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right, what's what's coming up for Perdomo Cigars? What do we have in the near and far future? Well, we got two new brands that are coming out, and they're, they're old grandfather brands. We have the original 
Reserve that will be coming out, and the uh, and the original Perdomo Reserve, the zero, the ten year that will be coming out. Very unique. We're going to have a the package is going to be exquisite, but some new stuff that, that I haven't done. We're going uh, the, the Sun Grove's going to have this beautiful blood red metal flaked uh, hmm. band that's going to have almost uh, it almost changes in colors when you look at it. And then we're going to use something that we normally do. It's my favorite color, which is blue, which I've never used in a band. And it's going to be this beautiful blue band that we're going to use on the Maduro. We're very excited about The cigars have been made. They're excellent. Um, a little bit of a different type of cigar that I normally make. Uh, very rich in flavor, very smooth, but also a lot of sweetness from a lot of our tobaccos up in the Lapa Valley that we've been working really hard with. And I think our consumers are going to love them. And uh, we actually had these cigars made in October of last year, and we're going to release them hopefully by July. Our partners in, in Holland, of course, got stopped with all that was going on and got delayed on the project. We're just waiting for the packaging. We're really excited about it. And you're one of the first to, to hear about it because we really don't come out with a lot of new products. And we're really excited about these two, and uh, we think they're going to be very successful. We're praying on that. Did, did you already tell me what they were called, or did I miss that? Yeah, see, it's going to be the new uh, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Sungrown and the new Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Maduro. Mm. And uh, we're hoping to have them out in, uh, in the month of July, and uh, we're, we're super excited about it. When we were doing our tastings with the blindfold, the cigar that I gave you was that cigar, and I didn't really want to tell anybody about it, but everybody seemed to really love the cigar, and it's uh, so it's been thoroughly tasted, and, and, and the feedbacks and the response has been great, so... We're really excited about it. We're doing an new one for David Roffler. Two guys are doing their new firecracker <clears throat> that will oh. be coming out in May. Uh, very limited production, only 500 boxes. Oh, cool. Throw them all out in one day. So a lot of great things. We're growing. Thank God. Thank every one of you guys. Um, the company keeps growing, and we're excited about it. And uh, we're, we're doing well, thank God. Awesome. How about the uh – I feel like I have to ask the coronavirus situation. Has it impacted you guys at all in the factory or the fields? No, thank God, no. And uh, we've only had three cases in the country in Nicaragua. Two of them were at the airport. One was a pastor from Italy. Another was a pastor from Panama. And one, I think, was a government official in Managua. you got to remember, Managua is about four and a half hours south of us in the center of the city. And thank God our workforce has been solid. Nobody's been sick, but we're on top of them. And, uh, we, you know, you've been to our factory. It's, it's about as clean as could possibly be. But on top of it, we've made different measures and put in dispensers where, you know, the growers have to wash their hands seven times a day, but there's also, you know, Purell dispensers and so on, and we're keeping people a little farther away, and so far, thank God, knock on wood, we've had nice. really no issues, nobody's nobody's been sick, so we're, I, I just feel that if people aren't sick, there's really no reason, in Miami, all all our workforce has come to work every single day, and I'm proud of all our guys, and thank God none of them have gotten sick or their families. And we're hoping that all this is being behind us. We need to get our people back to work across the country in general. And uh, we're hoping, we hope that gets done very quickly. All right, Nick. Well, i got to thank you so much for taking the time on this Monday night, not Friday night, uh, to be with us on Monday. Smoke Night Live, brother. Hey, my pleasure. You guys do a great job. I'm a big fan of Cigar Dojo. And uh, I hope a lot of our listeners start listening. These guys do a great job. And they're accurate. And we need, we need more people listening to shows like like Cigar Dojo, and it's great that you and your son work together. I work with my son. It's a blessing. It is. All right, don't go away. I want to talk to you after the show. Uh, but, guys, get this. This is crazy. We're, just because we did a Smoke Night Live on Monday doesn't mean we won't do one on Friday. We will have hey. Smoke Night Live on Friday as well. We'll have uh, 
In fact, my good buddy Coop will be on the show, as, along with JR Cigars, Nick Labretti. There's a bunch of news going on. I don't know if you guys paid attention today, but um, there's some news going on that we'll talk about Friday that impacts the cigar industry. We're also going to just get the overall scope of of how all of the shutdown has affected brick and mortars and online retailers and all that sort of stuff on Friday, which will be a good time. We'll have a fun. Well, I mean, the topic's not fun, but we'll have a good time with with Nick and with William on the show. Uh, we did our uh, Cigar Española show today. I'm hey, le- you can I'm, say it. I'm learning Spanish every Monday at lunchtime, and today's show was a blast. Randy Griggs is teaching me Spanish. Did, so when uh, I Juan Cancel learned some Spanish. Juan Cancel was on the show today, and when I next time I go down to the Perdomo factory. I plan to be a little bit better. You're gonna say baño at my at my Spanish. So and there we go. And then uh, Wednesday, of course, is our Flavor Odyssey show. Uh, Robbie and Randy have a challenge episode this Wednesday, which will be a, a blast. So we'll have a good time. And then uh, let's see, smoke my life the week after next. Uh, Klaus Kellner will be on the show from Davidoff. So we'll have a good time there. Everybody, have some fun tonight. We'll uh, do some now playing. Uh, play some music on the dojo. And uh, show your, share your drinks and your cigars on the dojo all night long. Until next time, remember, never, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. We'll see you next week. Do you dream of having your own in-house cigar lounge? Well, JR Cigars is here to help. By entering our Ultimate Cigar Lounge sweepstakes, you can win $5,000 towards your dream in-house cigar lounge. Cutters, lighters, ashtrays, chairs, whatever you can think of. Simply go to our website and click sweepstakes right up top or go to sweepstakes.jrcigars.com. You can only enter once a day, but up until May 31st, you can enter every single day. More times you enter, more chances you have to win.